Welcome to the Church Times Poetry Podcast for Lent, brought to you in association with Canterbury Press. This week, Canon Mark Oakley reflects on the poem Paternoster by Jen Hadfield. The poem is published in her collection, Nigh No Place, published by Blood Axe Books in 2008. We're grateful to Blood Axe Books for giving permission to play a recording of Jen Hadfield reading the poem. For more information, visit bloodaxebooks.com. The material in this podcast is taken from Mark Oakley's book, The Splash of Words, published by Canterbury Press, which won the 2019 Michael Ramsey Prize for Theological Writing. If you don't yet subscribe to The Church Times, you can try 10 issues for £10. Visit churchtimes.co.uk forward slash new hyphen reader. Paternoster 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 Hallowed be thy main Thy kingdom come Thy draft work be done Still plough the day And give out daily bray Though heart stiffen in the harness Then sleep hang harness With bare bells And trot on bravely into sleep Where the black and the bay, the sorrel and the grey, and foals and bearded wheat awaiting. It is on earth as it is in heaven. Drought, wildfire, wild asparagus, yellow flowers on the flowering cactus. Give our daily wheat wet whiskers in the sonorous bucket. Need my heart. Hardened daily. Heal the hoof print in my heart. Gives our oats at bedtime and in the night half sleeping. Paternoster, Paternoster, hallowed be thy hot mash. Jen Hadfield, the youngest person to have won the T.S. Eliot Prize for Poetry, lives on the Shetland Isle of Burra. The subjects of her poems are often local to her homeland, and so are the words that she can use to pour light on and through the people, animals and landscapes that make her feel connected and protected. Her poems root themselves around the alien but evocative vocabulary of the Scots and Shetland dialects, and we discover words like glid, which is the sunshine that happens between showers, and snuskit, in that a sulky frame of mind it means, glinda, to peer through half-shut eyes, and blashiwada, wet and unsettled weather. Hatfield has said that in the Shetlands some words are so local that they don't occur ten minutes down the road. And when I read Hadfield's poems, I'm reminded of Kenneth Cox's observation that each word has a little music of its own, which he continues, poetry arranges so it can be heard. Paternoster comes from Hadfield's second collection of poetry, Nigh No Place. It's a collection of outward-looking poems with a plucky pulse, that interrogates and blesses the natural world with gratitude. 
In her exchange with nature, we become aware that this world might have vital messages to surrender to the human soul. Or in the words of the philosopher Bertrand Russell, that the world is full of magical things patiently waiting for our wits to grow sharper. This makes for an exhilarating and expectant journey for her readers. You can almost feel the wind in your hair and the salt on your lips as you listen in, poised and willing for a fresher understanding of life. In Dead Tra, for instance, she writes, I go to the rock pool at the slack of tide to mind me what my poetry's for. She observes that the rock pool has its ventricles just like us, pumping brine like bull's blood, a syrupy flow, as well as its own language of a holy hiccup and its minute's silence. The natural systems of life spark associations with our own human living, and by this connection we're given a sense of presence in the world, almost a reassurance that the world is trustworthy. Like the landscape she inhabits, there's a sure-footed mystery to much of her imagery as she brings the familiar startlingly close in ways that first dislocate, but then resuscitate our perception. She's referred to her work as a type of eco-poetics. Hatfield used to work in a fish-gutting factory. She's not romantic about nature. It's primal and uncontained forces are felt too strongly by her for that. There is rather a draw to the slow exposure of the raw elements of the world where she finds herself pushed into her own element in the process. She has said that her poetic outlook is being honest about the present tense that you live in and looking as accurately and intently as possible at one place. Now, the person of faith might well discern a sacramental approach to this work. Her poems on love, memory, language, place and movement frequently channel themselves through the natural world and the startling metaphors she employs to reset our compass in our environment stay with us. Hadfield compels us into sensing that a life is not lived if it passes by our natural habitat. It is made to pass through it to become attentive to what she calls in one poem its realistic mysteries. Jane Hirschfield has written, Poetry's fertility lives in the marriage of said and unsaid, of languaged self and unlanguaged other, of the knowable and the gravitational pull of what lies beyond knowing. Now, the truth of this observation lies at the heart of Hadfield's skill. Her recent collection of poems is called Bysus, named after the beard of a mussel, the tough fibres which anchor it to the seabed. The similar fibres of her strong but flexible language make the movable seasons and cycles of nature its deep homeland. She has said in interviews that the sense of the sacred is something she returns to again and again in her work. In Nigh No Place, she instills a sense of heaven and earth being each other's natural home, where each gratefully breathes the other in. Because she takes herself to such isolated places in her life, having a hunger for big skies, 
Hadfield's poems don't seem to want to communicate with us who read, so much as give voice to an impulse of wild gratitude, even bliss, that rises in her when she breathes in her landscape, whether it be her own Shetland or Canada where she has travelled. Some of her poems consequently have the feel of a liturgical litany or a song, linking powerfully with her occasional almost reverential repetition of sound as an initiator of a poem's internal rhythm. Many of her images are also funny and self-deprecating, such as um, when she notes how I crackled in my waterproof like a roasting rack of lamb, or compares Badland's light to the underwear you gave me, pilled and balding, porridge white. When it comes to description, it is as if, in the words of the poet Susan Mitchell, the world is wily and doesn't want to be held for long. But poets such as Hadfield are able to hold it a little longer than most. Paternoster is, to my mind, one of her most beautiful poems. It's a prayer of a draught horse, in which she reworks the texture and rhythm of the Lord's Prayer through the horse's heart. You can listen to the poet again, reading it with that beautiful voice of hers. If you want a glimpse of the beauty of a prayerful, intimate lintily from a tired but hopeful heart, then listen to this well and read it again, because Hadfield's poems are mesmeric and are meant, as all poems are, to be heard. In this poem, the horse is weary but reverent. His voice is solitary but accepting. There's a heaviness to his day that has reached his soul, and he prays that his heart might be needed by God so that it might rise and take its true shape. Like many of us, he half sleeps and realises that it is in the night that his hungers are most evident. All that drifts up into the mind in the dark speaks of who we really are and where we need feeding. The buckets we rely on for this are often hollow and noisy. The horse prays for meadows and hay rolls, larger spaces in which to roam and graze than his day currently allows. He also prays for whiskery napping, napping being a Shetland term for when two ponies clean each other's hair with their mouths. He's looking for intimacy, play, He's not a proper horse without them. How easy it would be to pray for his wants, to be stronger or more decorated and esteemed, rather than for his needs. The horse can see who he is in danger of becoming if he can only feel the harness on him. His yoke is not easy, his burden is not light. He needs Paternoster, our father, to comfort and be strengthened by, so that, as the poem says, he can both still plough the day and give out daily bray. At the end, this horse is not too tired to dream. In the spirit of the heavenly banquet, he tells God that hot mash is hallowed and will always be received by him as a warm, beautiful gift at close of day. 
Hope stretches our minds creatively beyond our particular plough. The horse has work to do. He does not shirk it. He does, however, see with clarity that the soul shaped only by what we do is a half-soul. He places himself before his creator, munching his oats, and recalls his being, now, in the present moment. The present is aptly named. It is the primary gift, a present. Life can be haunted by what it never was, and only retrieved by placing it into the hands of God for the future. The ancient Assyrian people had a word for prayer that was the same word they used for unclenching a fist. Here there is a similar intimacy being voiced, a soul opening, in the vocative, praying beyond the doors of a closed stable, the harness off, laying its life and burdens and hopes before its loving creator. The French philosopher Voltaire once observed, that if God has created us in his image, we have returned him the compliment. Does the draught horse imagine God to be horse-like? Hallowed be thy mane, he prays. What else would God be like for him? Surely not a human. Humans are busy, ungrateful beings, distracted from distraction by distraction, as T.S. Eliot puts it. No, God understands what it is to be a draught horse from within. Only he could heal the hoof print in my heart, the pressured imprint of daily labour that affects his spontaneity and joy of those things that are on earth as it is in heaven. So many of Hadfield's poems in Nigh No Place explore the dislocations of being in no place and leave us asking what it means to be at home in a natural world that has become unnatural to us. Paternoster takes up these themes within the inner life, showing us an animal resting in a relationship of complete trust with its creator, a home place, a stable of the heart with plenty of wheat for the whiskers, from where all journeys yet to come will set out from. As we overhear the horse at prayer, we glimpse that God can be the intimate friend in whom all our loose ends find their home, their stable. Mm -hmm.